1: <laughs>
0: We're going to stay on the Spurs Up Show. Very excited. He covers college football nationally for CBS Sports. Barrett Salee joins the Spurs Up Show. Barrett, again, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. Anytime. Love to talk college
2: football this time of year. And uh, there's no shortage of topics <laughs> this this, uh, this time of year. A little different than it was five years ago. But it keeps us uh, keeps us busy, that's for sure.
0: Barrett, for sure. Again, before we get started, I know we just spoke about it off air, but I think it's important, obviously, something that's much bigger than sports, college football, anything we can discuss. Uh, Give people an update, obviously, on your health. Anybody who follows you on social media knows you deal with seizures and such like that. I know you just got your keys back. Let us know how exhilarating (laughs) was it to get back behind the wheel. But again, I just want to let the people know, obviously, let you give them an update of just what's going on in your personal life, health, all that stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean things are good. Got my keys back on February fifteenth. There's a six month no driving law uh, in the state of Georgia, so it was like being 16 all over again uh, when I got them back in February. But things are good. Neurologist has everything taken care of. Uh, no issues uh, lately at all. Uh, hopefully none in the future. And uh, yeah, if anybody um, you know has any issues with that out there, uh, feel free to reach out to me. I love helping folks out. Uh, because it's uh, it's it's a fraternity that uh, no one wants to be a part of, but is uh, it's uh, it's confusing, and sometimes you can feel uh, feel feel alone when people don't understand. So, uh, yeah, reach out, donate to the Epilepsy Foundation of Georgia or the National Group, either one, uh, because they do a great job.
0: Absolutely, well said, Barrett. Again, congratulations to you getting back Thank behind you. the wheel. Let's talk football, though, and before we look ahead of this season, Barrett, I want to look back. Speaking on the Gamecock specifically, the 2022 season. I'm not exactly sure I recall. You know, what your expectations were going into year two of Beamer with Spencer Rattler coming out of the portal, coming to South Carolina. But obviously, around Columbia, right, the expectations were very high. And it was a roller coaster season for the Gamecocks, to say the <laughs> least. I mean, they were abysmal, it felt like, especially on the offensive side for 10 games. And then the final two caught fire. I mean, nobody saw it coming as they dashed the playoff hopes of both Tennessee and Clemson your overall thoughts on the 2022 season and what it meant for Shane Beamer and his Gamecocks football program yeah i mean it's kind
2: of like you said i kind of expected them like a 6 and 6 7 and 5 style team uh i didn't expect the path to be exactly what it was uh, because it was uh, like you said, a roller coaster, but it ended on a high note. There is no doubt about that. But I think a lot of that was the Satterfield effect. That it's almost like he forgot that Spencer Rattler actually has talent for two and a half months, and then realized, oh yeah, this guy's a former five-star top quarterback. We might as well use him in a way that would help the team out. So, uh, roller coaster ended on the high note again. Not the path I thought they'd take, but you know, especially the way it ended, I think for for Shane Beamer, and I talked to Shane Beamer about this. Uh, last week, and uh, in the interview's up on cbsports.com That you know, he felt like the momentum I- is going to carry over, and the the way that he's approached this off season, and you guys have seen it with all of the the social media, the office things like that. Um, he's setting the tone even further for what the identity of the program is, and I think that has really helped everybody you know, sort of keep that momentum going, knowing that Shane's got a vision. The vision is is to be authentic to himself. And and that has, I think, permeated through not just the roster, but the program in terms of, of setting itself up. So I expect bigger things this year. Um, and, and I think part of that is the Satterfield effect or the absence of Satterfield, uh, which will certainly help. And then Spencer Rattler, you know, maybe kind of, you know, I think – There was maybe a misguided view of him as kind of being this punk from QB one who, you know, didn't necessarily come off well, came to Oklahoma with an attitude, things like that. And even if that's true, he seems to be much more relaxed and much more a part of something at South Carolina, as opposed to being the individual that's supposed to, to be the sole leader of a team. If he's not, even if he's not ready and he wasn't
0: ready at Oklahoma. Barrett, I think Gamecock fans shudder when you mention that name, Marcus Satterfield. And it sounds like (laughs) you, you put a lot of stock in regards to, you know, because I think the question moving into this year was, was it more so Satterfield to blame? Was it Spencer Rattler and his own inconsistencies? I think a lot of people look and look at the offensive identity, what they were trying to do whatever it was they were trying to do in those first 10 games. And uh, I think you point back to Marcus Satterfield, there's a reason he's no longer employed by South Carolina, but, you know, coming into this year, bringing it full circle, you know, Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells announced their return in January, obviously a huge boost and a huge shot in the arm for this program and what that means for the 2023 season. But I think Barrett, the big question for Rattler is which version do they get more of the one you saw in the final two games or the first 10 somewhere in the middle. Like what are your overall thoughts? How do you view Spencer Rattler coming into this season? Obviously he has his top target back. He can't do it all by himself. I think they got to find a running game, but uh, how do you view Rattler? Do you view him as the hero from the Tennessee game or the inconsistent player we saw in the first 10 ball games of 2022? Well, I think it's, I think it's a little misguided to
2: view him as the guy who played in the final two regular season games of the season. Like, that is, that's his ceiling, I, I think. And that's a great ceiling to have. The problem with Spencer is the floor was so low last year. Uh, and I think a lot of that is is Satterfield and, and the Satterfield effect, like you said, that he just wasn't being used properly. He wasn't comfortable with what he was being asked to do. and And that, I think, really, you know, even when he was on, it was almost like the offense still didn't have its identity. It just felt out of place, even when he had in those first 10 games, some success. And, you know, when the, when the training wheels came off, so to speak, even though he didn't need training wheels uh, when they came off, you saw that ceiling. I think the biggest thing for for Spencer Rattler now is, you know, what's the floor. And I, I think right now the floor is going to be significantly higher than it was last year. So, you know, expecting the guy that beat Tennessee and, and beat Clemson and, and looked like a Heisman trophy caliber quarterback, he's not going to be that every week. I mean, that's just not going to happen. Tennessee's defense was atrocious at that point. Clemson was a wreck and that's not you know trying to, to to you know to to knock him down and and criticize him for what happened or at least minimize it. I mean, he went out and he did it and he took advantage of the situation, but he's not going to do that every week. I mean no, nobody's going to do that every week. So you know Bryce Young didn't do that every week two years ago. Caleb Williams didn't do that. Every uh, every week, last week, I mean, go back to that Oregon State game. Caleb Williams was average to below average, right? So I, I think that should be the expectation for Spencer. If if you want him to be in the Heisman Trophy race, okay, that's up to South Carolina to have more success as a team. Could he put up those kind of numbers? Maybe the problem is South Carolina's schedule is a little tougher. Um, well, not tougher, but I mean, it's it's tough. We all know that it's the NSEC schedule. So, you know, I, I think he can be a star. I think he can put up video game numbers, but that depends on how high his floor is. And it's certainly going to be higher than it was last year.
0: Barrett, speaking of the Heisman Trophy, I want to get into this. And I I want to say to everyone, these are SEC spring football overreactions. These are not your predictions. I know you get a (laughs) lot of flack from people because you're like, it literally says they're overreactions, they're not predictions. But one of your overreactions was Spencer Rattler will win the Heisman Trophy. And obviously, that caught my eye and that caught the eye of all games. (laughs) Just, I, I want to ask you this, just what led you to that being your your spring overreaction? If you When you talk about Dowell Loggins, the new offense, you feel like he could top the 4,500-yard mark, which I think is doable. <laughs> it's going to take a lot of the pieces around him and South Carolina as a whole, right, is going to have to help him get there. But uh, just kind of what led you to that conclusion? And and then speaking on Dowell Loggins, I mean, I know you talked to Shane Beamer. We'll get into that one-on-one combo in a second, but what what info or intel did he give you on what they expect or what they want the offense to look like this year for Rattler and company?
2: Yeah, more wide open, you know, more wide open offense. And I think, you know, like the 4,500-yard mark, yeah, I mean, it kind of jumps off the page. It's really not that, you know, unrealistic. I mean, you go back and look when he was the everyday starter at Oklahoma, he, he could get to that point, um, you know, w- but when he got replaced by Caleb, you know, he still was slinging all over the place. And granted, it's the Big 12, but the Big 12 played good defense. So if – that overreaction, So you kind of base the overreactions, you know, again, people just kind of ignore that word in the headline when they when they read it, but whatever. That's fine. Uh it's the off-season people can yell all they want. Uh, but I think if you combine that video game kind of numbers with what we saw with Dole and what we saw in spring with some of the playmakers that um that sort of emerged offensively, you know, it gives it I think it makes the possibility of beating Georgia there, right? It exists. It's not probable. It's not likely. It's not something I would ever bet on. But you have the ability to have a dynamic offense that is top tier in the SEC. So when I made that overreaction uh, blurb for South Carolina, it's like my thought process was like, okay, we know how good South Carolina can be. We've seen it we understand it like we get it how good south carolina can be if they're able to spring an upset on georgia that's that's a statement especially if spencer lights it up that puts him on the national scene that gives you a game and a half lead over georgia depending on what happens the rest of the way in the sec east and it could cost it could you know vault you to the sec east title okay then what happens you go to the sec championship game they don't have to win it Spencer Rattler lights it up in the SEC championship game. Even if they lose, ballots are due two days later, right? So it's an overreaction. (laughs) It's it's an overreaction. You put up 4,500 yards, you beat Georgia, you find your way into the SEC championship game. Even if you lose, you might win it. And look at Caleb Williams last year. Lost the Pac-12 championship game, won the Heisman Trophy. So it's not likely. It's very unlikely but again overreactions it's one of those things where you know you're looking at at the way the landscape of the season can play out and my mind goes back to dumb and dumber and lloyd christmas like so you're telling me there's a chance and that's kind
0: of where i came down with the overreactions well, Barrett, you know how social media works. A couple of days from now, you're going to see some headline on social media. <laughs> Barrett Solis says Spencer Rattler will win the Heisman Trophy. Go ahead and put your bet.
2: Best passer of all time. The, gonna lead. Look, he's going to lead South Carolina this year to a national title. They're going to win the Masters World <laughs> Series Stanley Cup. He's going to lead them to everything.
0: Uh, I love that. I love that. Speaking of, of course, Spencer Rattler coming from the transfer portal, and Shane Beamer said it best a couple weeks ago. The transfer portal giveth and the transfer portal taketh. And we've seen both sides of it with the Gamecocks, right? You get Spencer Rattler, you get Juice Wells. The portal has been very unkind to South Carolina this cycle at times. And they've picked up some nice pieces, but you lose Marshawn Lloyd to Southern Cal. You lose Jaheim Bell to Florida State. You lose Jordan Birch to Oregon. You lose Gilbert Edmond to Florida State as well. Now, you've picked up some nice pieces, Trey Knox from Arkansas I think it's going to fill in beautifully Nick Guarduolo on mm-hmm. the offensive line from Yale, Jerron Willis at the linebacker position at Ole Miss and uh, Jatius Gear the edge from Syracuse the latest <laughs> pickup Your just overall thoughts on the way South Carolina has operated the transfer portal and I know you saw some glimpses of some of these new guys in the spring especially I think Trey Knox was the one that caught everybody's eye just guys that have stood out to you from the transfer portal that South Carolina's picked up that you think could help them this season
2: Yeah. I mean, you said Trey Knox and that's the guy that I was going to say. I mean, I think he can certainly help and, you know, losing, losing Lloyd obviously hurts, but I think the interesting thing is, is South Carolina is in a position from a transfer portal
1: standpoint where we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed.
2: you know, and this is kind of how you have to look at it now. It's a developmental program to in regards to some of the major programs, but it's also a major market program to some second tier guys who have gotten to a point where they can be first tier guys. Right. Um, like Spencer Rattler, you know, even though it was like, you know, a couple years ago, or I guess last year, but whatever, this is a different sort of situation. I talked to a coach or actually, no, I didn't talk to him, but we played Lane Kiffin on Sirius XM on Sunday and he was asked about Quinshawn Judkins, who was their true freshman stud. And he said he was the hottest free agent on the market. And they were luckily, they were lucky to be able to keep him. And I think that's where South Carolina is in a position where they have to defend their guys. You know, they have to, extend their salary cap so to speak and, and it's not so to speak like this is what they're actually discussing i wouldn't say i don't know about south carolina but just in general coaches they have to um they have to work their salary cap to a point where they can keep some of those guys that might go to usc or somewhere else but they also have the opportunity to to pay kids more than maybe they are worth it for other teams because the coaching staff Recognizes potential, and I think Trey Knox is a perfect example of a guy who, okay, he was good, got a ton of potential. Let's uh, not necessarily break the bank, but let's overextend ourselves financially, knowing that you're going to lose some guys to the upper tier program. So I think that's what's interesting about this 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 era is that South Carolina can play it both ways, right? They other programs don't have the ability, like Alabama can't play it both ways. If someone wants to leave Alabama and get more money from South Carolina and get more playing time from South Carolina that are going to do it. Right. Um, So I think that's, that's where you have to factor in Shane Beamer, the staff, the analysts and your scouting department, because you can really make it work at South Carolina. If you, if you operate in a way in this new era that is responsible and have a, I think a proper view of where your program sits in the
0: hierarchy. Barrett, I know you're a big sports movie guy. I think of the quote from Moneyball when Billy Bean says, if we try to win like the Yankees in here, we will lose to the Yankees out there. Where card yep. counters at the Blackjack table. That's kind of how I think of the Gamecocks, right? If 100%. you try to win like Georgia and Alabama in the building or go toe-to-toe with every five-star, it's just not going to happen. So you've got to get creative, yeah. get crafty. I agree with everything you're saying, but I will ask you this. A lot of college football fans, they hear the word salary cap and college football, they, like <laughs> they just cringe. Your thoughts on the portal and NIL, and, I mean, do you do you like it? Do you dislike it? I mean, we all have to embrace it, obviously, but your just overall thoughts on the landscape of the game right now and the way it's changing?
2: It's hard to keep a grasp on it, like, right, because it changes so much. You know, I don't think that a lot of us expected the collectives to emerge in the way they did so quickly um, because I think there was this idea – around our world, the fans world, coaching industry that, yeah, you were going to use resources to recruit and the NCAA would come down on you a little bit. Like I thought that the NCAA would come out and say, okay, we told you guys, you couldn't do this. You're doing it. You're going to get in trouble. But what really evolved was that the NCAA doesn't care because they can't keep up with it. I mean, they just, it's, you, you you punish one team and let everybody else go. Let's just use South Carolina because it's a South Carolina show. You punish South Carolina for recruiting, um, you know, four guys from the group of five. Well, Shane Beamer is going to look around going, dude, like, are you kidding me? Everybody else is doing it and doing it just as well, if not better. So that part of it surprised me. I've talked to a lot of coaches, including Gus Malzahn and Shane Beamer and, and a lot of them that, that have said, it's just, it's, it's hard to keep track and it makes the job even more time consuming than it was before, which is, it's hard to sort of grasp. Right. Um, But I am fine with it. I think that it, it will create, it it won't, it won't separate the haves from the have nots in ways that I think um, maybe some people thought because Yeah, you're going to get Jamison Williams going to Alabama because he's a fourth string at Ohio State and he can win the cough at Alabama, right? You're going to get guys like that. But you're also going to get guys who drop down after successful seasons that still might be blocked, right? And so I think that is uh, like DJ Uyunglele, perfect example. He's still pretty good, or at least has potential, right? Cade was obviously going to come in and start. So what does DJ do? he goes and finds a really good Oregon state program that's set up to be a contender in the PAC 12 that's closer to home that fits him. And he might actually live up to that potential this year. And so I think it works both ways. I think it's for, for, for players that want to focus just on money, they can. And I think it helps keep players in college football. I mean, I I read a story this morning, Where, you know, Stetson Bennett, I I can't remember exactly what his contract slot is for the NFL, but he made seven figures at Georgia. He's making more. He made more money at Georgia than he's going to as an NFL player this year. Um, That's awesome. That keeps players in college. And I think instead of risking injury to improve yourself for the NFL draft, you can say, all right, I'm going to risk it, but I'm also going to
0: get the biscuit. And that's, I think, good for the game. Barrett, now let's get to this one-on-one conversation you had with Gamecocks head coach, Shane Bieber. I know you teased it a little bit earlier, but you talked to him about his vision for South Carolina, how it's led to success, obviously, on the field, what things look like moving forward. I know you talked a lot about with him the culture and stuff like that. You mentioned the the office remake video they did, some <laughs> of the other things they did on social media, and obviously a lot about the success they've had in his first two years in Columbia, just uh, detail us a little bit further on that conversation. What were some of your big takeaways from what you, uh, what you had to discuss with Shane Beamer?
2: Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing to me is that he's, I think, done a great job um, recognizing who he is as a coach and a person, right? Through 20 years, he's been all over the place. Right. And and the one thing he said to me that I think South Carolina fans should absolutely love for a variety of reasons. And we'll get to that in a second is that he picked and choose different parts of what he saw throughout his coaching journey and incorporated them into what he wants to do and what he's been doing as an on-field coach. Like he, he has created the South Carolina way through parts of the Tennessee way, the Oklahoma way, the Georgia way, Virginia Tech way. And that, that shaped him as a man from an X's and O's perspective. And he's combined that with his personality. With you know, the ability to you know be the guy in the office and, and act in the way he d- does, to, to embrace the mayonnaise back, things like that. Um, and and he said that the reason he did that is because he's seen other people in the industry try to mimic other coaches in the way that that you know, that's disingenuous. And players recognize that. Like, if you go out there, and I know Will Muschamp is a dirty word for, for South Carolina fans, right? Um, and, and he didn't mention Will, you know, by, by name. And, but I've always thought this about Will. He got the job at Florida and wanted to be Nick Saban. He got the job at South Carolina and wanted to be Nick Saban. And I think you guys know, and as probably better than a lot of people, you know, Will gets, gets branded as this lunatic he's one of the nicest people I've ever met. And the fact that that didn't shine through, I think shows what can go wrong in, in a coach's career. And Shane, I think, recognized a long time ago that you can't act that way. Um, And again, he didn't mention Will Muschamp by, by name. I'm just using him as an example because he's there. Um, And, and that has, you know, that kind of honesty And that kind of um, acceptance from players, they see that, right? If a quarterback looks at his coach and says, that guy's full of it, then everybody else is too. And no one would say that about Shane. And I think that's, that's kind of shaped him from a personality standpoint and he learned from some of the best from an on-field standpoint. And that's I think a perfect way to operate at a place like South Carolina, where there's a ton of passion, there's a ton of resources, there isn't a lot of winning. There isn't a lot of history of success because of kind of falling into that trap over and over again.
0: Now, Barrett, when you look at this 2023 football season, this team, if you will, and we got a long way to go, right? But it'll be here before, you know, it. SEC many days, it feels like is is just around the corner. And then we'll get into fall camp and kickoff. will be here just over 100 days until kick. There's a lot of conflicting, I feel like, opinions. And, I mean, it's prediction season. It's list season. It's talking season, mm-hmm. as the HBC used to say. But there's a lot of conflicting feelings, I feel like, Barrett, about this Game Cox football team, because I feel like you can find some that will say South Carolina is a, a sleeper in the SEC East, could win nine or ten games. And then you see what Vegas has to say. It's over-under win total of six from Caesar's <laughs> Sportsbook. I feel like you're a little bit higher on South Carolina, but – How do you view the Gamecocks, and do you feel like, I mean, you mentioned Spencer Rattler about the ceiling and the floor. It sounds like being very volatile. Do you feel that same way about South Carolina? Because I'll tell you, Barrett, when I look at it right now, and there's still a lot of pieces left, right, transfer portal, Gamecocks are in on a guy like Logan Diggs from Notre Dame that could be an answer Mm -hmm. in the running back position, and you never know, there's some other guys out there. But I feel like just off first glance, I look at this team, offense probably going to be a little bit better. Defense might take a slight step back, and I think the big question might be Barrett yet again about when you talk about will they get to eight, will they get to nine, how much of a factor will Beamer Ball play? How much of a factor... Will turnover margin play? Because I feel like, obviously, they use special teams in defense, their advantage last year, being opportunistic, and I think that might be the answer to the question. So, I mean, how do you view this? Where do you fall? Is it somewhere in the middle? And, I mean, what's the answer? I mean, I feel like there's so much volatility with where people see this football team right now.
2: Yeah, South Carolina over six is one of the best bets on the board. Um, that Louisville, which I think is six and a half, and Auburn are the three that kind of jump out to me. Auburn's like six, you know? So, um, and they've got the easiest schedule that they've had in a long, long time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, South Carolina, to me, I think a lot of that is, you know, look, you, you just kind of described a a system and a recipe that kind of automatically gets you over six because there's a the talent, you have a high-end quarterback, you've got returners, or you've got, um, continuity along the offense, not necessarily as much as you'd like, but in the transfer portal era, you know, enough. Um, you have special teams. Obviously, that was big last year. You have a defense that all, all it really needs to be is adequate. And, you know, that's fine. And that'll get you to seven, eight wins. So I, I think the the question I get always, or not always, but a lot of the time is, you know, who's the biggest threat to Georgia? And I always say like Georgia's the biggest threat to Georgia. That's I think that's real. That's reality. Uh, If you had to pick another team, it's South Carolina. Um, I don't think it's Tennessee. I don't trust Joe Milton. I trust Spencer Rattler, um, and I trust Shane Beamer, and I trust a change. Like we talked about before, um, addition by subtraction without Marcus Satterfield. So I'm high enough on the Gamecocks to say they're the biggest threat to Georgia. That is not – typically a, you know, generally speaking, that's huge praise. It's not really huge praise this year. It's, it's enough praise, but it's just one of those things where the gap is so large to Georgia. And honestly, there's not much that any team can do about it in in the sec East. I mean, I I don't see any, any way that that's going to change anytime soon. So if you're Tennessee, South Carolina, Florida, whatever, you have to get to a point where you feel like you can be a threat to, to, to upset Georgia and South Carolina's done it. You know, it, it's done it. Um, you know, and, and I think that that team is South Carolina this year, last year, it was Tennessee, maybe next year it's Florida. I don't know. But South Carolina is at that point, I think can be explosive offensively have the special teams down pat and can just be adequate defensively. And if you catch George on the wrong, on the wrong day, which Obviously, South Carolina did. What was that, 2019 when that happened? You, you can spring an upset. And then at that point, come what may, you might actually get to Atlanta.
0: Yeah, it feels like right now, Barrett, the only thing certain in the SEC East is, you know, I feel confident putting it in black ink. Georgia in the one spot. Yes. Probably Bandy in the seven, I'm going to say that, and then two <laughs> through six. Yeah, pick out of Right, yeah. right. I mean, truly, Who knows? Um, Barrett, I appreciate you taking the time. First thing, it's been an electric conversation. Last thing before I get you out of here, though, we hear the old adage all the time. You know, this team could be a lot better this year, but not show it in their win loss record. And that's (laughs) something fans just do not want to hear. Right. I mean, you know that college football fans, they don't want to go backwards. Right. Nobody wants to hear. Well, we won less, but we were a lot better football team. That doesn't register to anybody. But Mm -hmm. you look at this schedule for South Carolina and the way it sets up. North Carolina in Charlotte in a neutral site, Furman at home, at Georgia, Mississippi State at home, at Tennessee. That's before your bye week, of course. Then you got Florida, at Mizzou, at Texas A&M before you close out with four straight, Jacksonville State, Vandy, Kentucky, and Clemson in the rivalry game. That could be something that applies to South Carolina. They might be a seven-win or maybe eight-win team. But if you can navigate through that first half, something they have not done all that well, Barrett. They haven't gotten off to great starts under Shane. They've closed in great fashion. But I think getting off to a good start is going to be pivotal because if you come out of the gate, what, one and four, it's just going to be really, really tough to rally the troops and get to seven or eight wins. Your just overall thoughts on how the schedule sets up, obviously one of the toughest in college football.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because you can, obviously Drake May in North Carolina, that's – Problematic. I mean, what a great quarterback battle, though. You know that's that's going to be awesome. Um, and you know, obviously, Clemson another power. You get two Power Five opponents. You kind of have to be stuck in that situation sometimes if you're South Carolina, and it sucks. I get it. Um, and I think the biggest thing, or not the biggest thing. I think North Carolina is the biggest thing, but you get Mississippi State out of the West as your rotator. Not that big of a deal. It, it just isn't. And then obviously, you probably have the six and seven teams in the SEC West. On your schedule, or five and or, or the fifth and the seventh, which I mean that's fine. Um, so, if you take care of business and in, in your in your cross division games, maybe split North Carolina, Clemson, and then win the rest of the out of conference, which is going to happen. You're going to be all right, um, and and the record's not going to to change all that much. If you if you're not ready for North Carolina and Drake may light you up and. You don't, you can't get, you know, solve cave, paid club, Nick and Clemson. And, you know, the road, the road games, especially in September, come back and bite you. Yeah. You might be in a situation where you're six and six and on paper, it looks disappointing, but it might not be in reality. So it's, it kind of works. It can work both ways for South Carolina. I would kind of split it in half and say, all right, it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle, but yeah, South Carolina might be in a situation, like you said, where, Uh, ones and losses, it does not look like you've improved, but in reality, you have.
0: Most Barrett want to label that season opener against North Carolina as the most important game of the season. And it feels kind of, I don't know, kind of putting all the chips in on the first game of the year. So much can happen. Teams can get better, but that is going to be a big tone setter in this season. Would you agree? Disagree? Is there one game? I don't know if you looked at the schedules, there one game you'd kind of highlight and say, this is the one they need to have this year to have a successful season.
2: Yeah, I think it's Tennessee, which is September twenty eighth, whatever the last Saturday in September is, um, September and I think, 30th. September thirtieth. And and I think obviously you know on the road's big, but if South Carolina struggles early, that's like the swing game, right? Um, you know, struggling is possible. If schedule sets up; it, it can happen. Uh, but it's a revenge game for Tennessee. It's on. It's it's in Knoxville. It's a a game that sort of sets up. What the final two months can be, and and I think it works that way for Tennessee as well. The way Tennessee schedules is built out, so I think that's a critical game for both. And the winner of that game can I think get to a point where it's it's making one of the top bowls in the SEC, maybe a Florida bowl. Um, it can also go south real quick for the loser of that game. So Tennessee is the most important. Obviously, you want to beat North Carolina. Georgia that Tennessee game that's the one you look at and you say all right, what are we really and what and, and that goes for both teams so I think that's the big one
0: Barrett Salee of CBS Sports check out all his work Barrett let everybody know where they can find you I know you do a Sirius XM show as well just let everyone know where they can check out all your work
2: yeah Sirius XM on Sunday mornings uh, download the CBS Sports app uh, watch CBS Sports HQ the over the top streaming network that we have which is actual sports news and we don't yell at each other non-stop which I mean <laughs> that's other networks do that so uh yeah uh and find me on all the social media outlets at Barrett Salee Instagram uh Twitter's kind of you know everyone yells at each other on Twitter but Instagram's a little more fun
0: Barrett appreciate you taking the time man let's definitely do it again soon yeah man thanks for having me